0: My name is Julie Turney, and this is HR Sound Off, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent HR topics. But ultimately, we will be settling some of the many misconceptions that people have about the human resources profession. Some weeks you will hear from my guests, and other times it will be just you and me in the sound booth. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of HR Sound Off. I am truly honored to have my guest today, and I don't even know where to begin to tell you where our journey started. I just know that I started following Dr. Tina M. Session uh, probably about from last year, for sure, from last year, as a result of a referral that I got from my coach, who we also have coach in common, which would be Cher Jones. And so I started following her show because she's an HR professional. And as I started to listen to what she was talking about, the way she was presenting HR in the news, things that were happening in the States, all around the world, at any given point in time, and these topics that she picked up were really starting to intrigue me. And so I asked um, Dr. Tina to come on to HR Sound Off today to talk to you a little bit about a whole bunch of stuff that she is doing. But I just thought that it would be really interesting to understand her journey and why she's doing the things that she's doing, how she got into HR. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to take this opportunity with me to welcome to the stage, to the sound booth, Dr. Tina M. Sessions.
1: Yay! <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and the audience applause. sound <laughs> <laughs> on, effect button. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thanks for having me on your show, HR Sound Off. Um, really honored and flattered. Um, thanks for the intro. And yeah, I didn't know we were connected that way. So it's amazing yeah. how many people share knows and works with. She's amazing. She is. Um, really changed my business over the mm-hmm. last year. So I tell mm-hmm. everyone about her. Yeah, and they say, "How do you do it? What are you doing? How did you change it?" How- I'm like, share Jones. It. That's it. <laughs> That's it. When I yeah. started
0: my podcast and people keep asking me, so what made you start this podcast? I was like, my coach, share Jones, let <laughs> me to do this thing. Like, you know, get out there and do this stuff. You have it on your bucket list. Just get it done.
1: Exactly. But yep. she
0: truly is an amazing, amazing coach, an amazing person. Personal plug for Share Jones right now, if you're
1: listening. Yes. <laughs> yes. If you're not following her on LinkedIn, you need to, you're missing out. <laughs> you're missing
0: out. You're missing out for sure. If you're not watching her yeah. show every Tuesday night, you are missing mm-hmm. out on some good stuff. Sharing yeah. is definitely caring. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Yeah. So tell us about yourself. How did you get started in HR? What is
1: your story? Sure. So many, many moons ago, (laughs) I started out as an admin assistant in what at the time they called personnel. I was working for Ernst & Young, one of the big four accounting firms in New York. I'm originally from New York. I live in LA now. Um, And I worked for uh, the director of personnel. She was new to the role. She had just been promoted and she was looking for someone to kind of keep her organized, help her with her calendar, you know, typical administrative assistant stuff. I was already working in HR, so then it just aligned me directly with her versus supporting um, the HR team as a whole. And through that, I was able to get exposure to what HR really was. Like, I really didn't know it. I was just there, right? Yeah. But I got to sit in on some employee relations meetings with her and take notes and understand how she coached the employees through certain situations they were facing, um, whether it was a complaint from their manager or their own complaint about their manager. And I really got intrigued. And I remember her telling me, she's like, Tani, you know, you can make a career out of this if this is something that you think you like. She said, you're good with people. Everyone seems to like you. You have a great personality for HR. You might want to think about kind of, you know, what you want to do long term. Because she knew I didn't want to just stay as an admin. Right. And so eventually I ended up, you know, growing a career. I tell people I was, you know, I didn't have a college degree when I first started. So I went back to school as an adult and mm-hmm. got my, my undergrad, finished my undergrad. I had dipped in and out of college over the years, but I finally right. made that commitment to myself, finished okay. up my last two years. And then I went right into my MBA program. And she was actually the same one who encouraged me. She's been my mentor all these years. Wow. And she encouraged me to, um, to go <clears throat> and get my master's in organizational development of psychology. Mm-hmm. Didn't really know what it was, but I had seen her go and get her master's in that. Right. And I kind of yeah. like followed everything she did. She went and got her HR certification. I got my wow. HR certification. <laughs> she got her MBA. I got my the MBA. MBA. <laughs> yeah, because she's <laughs> like, this is where HR is going. It's really right. about understanding the psychology of <laughs> the people, how that works in the, um, the infrastructure of HR throughout the organization. Yeah. And she's like, you know, if you really want to be in a position where you get to make a change throughout the entire organization. Um, this will be one of the spots to do that in. And so I decided to just really foster a career there. Mm-hmm. And I did.
0: Ah, awesome. Yeah. You so 30 about- years later.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you
0: talked about so many things there that I, I would love to touch on. The importance mm-hmm. of mentorship, especially yeah. in the HR professional space, is crucial. Um, mm-hmm. You talked about developing a friendship that you have down to this day. Mm -hmm. and a mentor that you could call on down to this day. And that truly means that it was an organic, something that happened organically. And that's really important when you're, you know, fostering mentorships. Cause I find that so many people um, think like they have to enter this mentorship program. They go in for a period of time, but mentorships that happen organically pretty much last a lifetime. And you just prove that. Yeah,
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, my son calls her auntie and, you know, she she moved to different companies and mm-hmm. you know I worked with her three times throughout mm-hmm. my career. Um so having that connection and just keeping in touch with her over the years and her seeing kind of my journey where I was going, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, she was there to give me advice, to be a sounding board, no judgment. Mm-hmm. And ultimately I was able to um in my corporate career, um, you know, underneath the the last role that she had for me.
0: Ah, awesome. So that's really good to know and thank you for sharing your story and the other thing that you touched on there that really intrigued me also was that you started in admin. Yes. A lot of people start in admin and then they work their way up or they work their way out but some people feel like there's like this direct path to HR and in some instances there is but for the most part a lot of people who have developed themselves in HR have come through the ranks of starting in admin and then working their way
1: up. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And I even like so many people ask me, how do I get into HR? I want to get into HR. What do I need to do? Yes. And I tell them, you know, okay. you probably want to go in as an HR assistant or an admin assistant, or yeah. even, uh, you know, entry-level recruiter. Mm-hmm. I said, because that's either one of those roles that will give you access to HR, the, the profession. And then from there, you can decide, like, do I want to specialize in a particular area? So then I said, you know, stay in it for a couple of years, Mm -hmm. learn the ropes, decide what you really like and don't like, and then kind of move your career towards the pieces that you like the most. Mm -hmm. Like, I personally don't like recruiting or benefits, or payroll, so... I stay far Mm -hmm. away from those when I have to I bring other people in and that's what they love to do. Right. So you, you hire for your weakness. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. And I love that you just said that because that takes me to how you made that transition into organizational development. So let's talk a little bit about that. What is organizational development and what made you move into this function?
1: Yeah. So it's really about understanding the science behind organizations because they all have a science to them and it starts with the people, but then it also starts, includes the processes, the policies, the infrastructure, um, the systems that are in place to help move the employees through their career within the company. Mm-hmm. So from an OD perspective or organizational development perspective, you're looking to see, okay, where does the company want to go and what do they need to help get them there, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to understand what the goals are of the CEO or the owner of the company. And then you need to understand how you, from an HR perspective, can help them meet those goals. And it's going to be through talent. Mm-hmm. It's going to be through um, systems, policies, and procedures. It's going to be yeah. through performance management, like all of those different components. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a whole bunch of little wheels running together. Yeah. And you have to be able to be uh, agile. You got to be able to think quickly on your feet. You definitely mm-hmm. have to be strategic. Um, it's okay to be transactional in HR, but that doesn't translate to organizational development. Organizational no. development really is about understanding strategy.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. And you've been able to, throughout your career, focus specifically on organizational development. But what advice would you give to an HR generalist who then has to fit OD into that generalist role in order to benefit the organization, what are some of the key things that they could be doing or should be doing right now to really enhance the OD experience?
1: So I tell everyone that they need to understand the business of the business. And that was one of the things, I remember there was a class at Ernst & Young called Mm -hmm. the business of the business. Mm -hmm. And it was because I didn't know all aspects of Ernst & Young. Of being an HR, I needed to be able to understand different components. I didn't have to be a master. Right. But I needed to know enough to have a conversation, right? right. Or to be able to solve a problem. So yeah. understand how your business makes money, how they lose money, um, who are their biggest competitors and what are those competitors doing in the marketplace? Mm-hmm. How does that impact your organization? What mm-hmm. are the goals of the company is key mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And then understanding, um, you know, not only their competitors, but also what are their, what are their goals for being able to move the business forward? Right. Because all that's going to lead back to, we need people. Yes. <laughs> we yes. need a system in place that's going to help these people thrive and survive mm-hmm. and be productive and motivated and engaged. So mm-hmm. that's, to me, is what I tell people. I was like, the first thing you got to understand is the business of the business. Whatever yeah. company you're in, understand, you got to be able to speak their language and that language is numbers, dollars mm-hmm. and cents. That's and that it. boils down to how they're making their money, how mm-hmm. do they lose their money, and what are they doing to stop trying to stop losing money and to move in the market. Right.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. And you're preaching to the choir here because I I truly believe in understanding the business of the business because when you're able to understand it, interpret it, and then add value one way or the other, it really does propel you and and help people to appreciate and respect you more. What's the the ground rule for understanding the business of the business? Because, you know, so many HR professionals always say to me, um, You know, either they don't know how, they don't know where to start. Um, No one really wants to give them that information. If you could tell me, if you could think of like the top three people that I need to get information from right away in order to help me understand the business of the business, who are those three key people right now?
1: Start with finance. (laughs) (laughs) Make make finance your best friend if you're Mm -hmm. in HR. Because they own the purse strings and they see HR as the cost center. They see you as a dollar amount. Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to add your value. And one way to do that is to understand their pain and understand how the business, again, is making and losing money. Mm -hmm. How that every single person you hire, what that ripple effect is to the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Or every person who leaves the organization, how does that quantify to dollars and cents for them in terms of lost productivity? Mm-hmm. The next person you want to get to know is the op, someone in operations. It's going to be very important to understand the operations of the company. Yeah. Um, so now you know finance, now understand operations because operations, much like HR, they touch on so many different aspects or departments or functional areas or verticals, whatever you call it, of the organization. And they have the mm-hmm. ear of the CEO, mm-hmm. just like the finance person. And I'm not saying you have to go straight to the top with CFO, yeah. COO, Find someone within their team, maybe two or three levels below them, because mm-hmm. they're the ones that are actually doing the work anyway. Exactly. So they can tell you <laughs> what their job is, how it impacts the bottom line, how it yeah. rolls up to the CFO, the CEO, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I think the third person to get to know is definitely someone in IT, yeah. because it's important to understand what type of systems can you put in place. That's going to help everyone be much more efficient, including yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's going to help pull you out of the weeds of being transactional. So you can start to become more strategic and sit around the tables with those decision makers. So your IT is going to help free up your time, your employees' time. Mm -hmm. Um, IT, evidently they're investing in it if they have someone in IT there. So they're looking for ways to improve. And for you to have that relationship with IT, you can get them on as an advocate for HR. Yes. So when you want a new system or an improvement or a new feature, you mm-hmm. can explain to them, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. Here's why I'm trying to do it. Here's yes. the cost. I've already talked to finance, operations, guys, So they know that it's going to work well throughout the organization. Right. I need you to help support me with this on, with the CEO and roll this out. Right. You've made three great friends that you need in your life forever.
0: <laughs> wow. And that, my friends, is organizational <laughs> development 101. Dr. Tina in session style. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Absolutely. That. Yeah. So the, definitely. Next,
0: the next thing that I wanted to touch on with you is your show. Okay. HR in the news. I look forward to Sundays, just like <laughs> I look forward to Tuesday nights to just act share. Like if right. there are two really top shows that I listen to right now as an HR professional on LinkedIn. It would be you and Cher, um, and Aww. even though even though Cher, in good company, you, you are in great company, my friend. Great company. <laughs> I mean, there are others, but like you, you guys mm-hmm. are my top two, and and for obvious reasons, because what I love about your show is that even though I am not in the U.S., I get an insight to understand how U.S. HR works. Yeah. I get an insight into legislation, and I always love how you always say. No, I'm not a lawyer. I just That's do a lot right. of reading. That's
1: right. Exactly. <laughs> you can exactly. full disclaimer
0: up front. You are not a lawyer. You just do a lot of reading. And you just right. you're just yep. able to apply it to HR and what is affecting exactly. us as an industry right now. How yeah. long have you been doing HR in the news and what compelled you to start HR in the news?
1: So much like you will share, I have heard of blames. But... <laughs> She encouraged me to do it, and I remember when I applied, because they had a waiting list at the time, Mm -hmm. I applied, and they said, you know, we'll get back to you, right? And then all of a sudden, I get this email one day while I'm in her coaching program with her, and I said, Cher, I said, I got this email from LinkedIn, and they approved me to go live. She goes, oh, that's fantastic. We got to think about a strategy. What do you want to call it? (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. (laughs) She starts rattling off. I I was like, oh. I'm taking notes and I'm typing. And I'm like, oh, I'm overwhelmed. It's too much. It's too much. And they give you 30 days to go live. Right. So from the time you get approved, you got 30 days to go live. Right. I think I went live on a 28th day. Cause I dragged this thing out. I did not <laughs> want to do it. I was fighting with her. I was like, I'm uh-huh. too busy. I don't she goes, you are a subject matter expert. This is going to expose you on a whole different level. Yes. Oh, by the way, you already do TV. So what are you worried about? And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, it was LinkedIn. Everyone's so judgmental. Everybody's such a professional in there. and They're yeah. going to second guess me. And, and that, everything I thought would happen, mm-hmm. didn't happen. Okay. And I've been doing it now 36 weeks, which I still can't believe. So wow. this week was my 36th week of That's doing it. Amazing. And amazing. Um, yeah. I, I just, I remember when I hit 10 and 20 and 30, I was like, wow, this is, it's going by fast yes. and I'm having a good time, you know? So I have a, I can a see group of people, you yeah. know, who come on every week and then I have right. others that watch the replay and they mm-hmm. comment later. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of people will reach out to me and say, Hey, can you send me the link to that story? I want to share it with my boss. or yeah. I'm like, excellent. Of course. That's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just look at different things that are happening, um, from, a I look at it through an HR lens. My son's right. like, you see HR and everything. I'm like, because HR right. is in everything and, and everything,
0: <laughs> everything, mm-hmm. everything.
1: So I'm able to, you know, I pick different stories and, Luckily, I have a, a team. I have a, uh, my operations associate. Her name is Jill Ding. Mm-hmm. So I send her all the stories throughout the week that I find. I get all these different newsletters and different Google alerts and stuff like that. Right. Um, you know, I try to stay focused on diversity and inclusion since that's my space. But right. I cover all gaps of HR and yes, I just share it. And hopefully other people you know, learn a lot from it.
0: Mm-hmm. I thank you so much for you know, sticking through it. And I, and I wish you great success with HR and the News. Like I said, I look forward to it every week. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh-oh. What would you say right now would be like your top two stories of HR and the News that you've ever covered that really fascinated you and real huge talking points to you?
1: Just give me yeah. two. Yeah. Well, thanks only two. Thank you. <laughs> I think the first one was pretty recent. Um, It was a story where the Adidas employees from around the world, Mm -hmm. including Panama, they signed basically a a letter to their um, board or what they call supervisory board um, in Germany. And they said, look, you know, we're talking about Black Lives Matter. The company has put out all these public statements about anti-discrimination, anti-racism. However, Mm -hmm. your chief human resource officer is guilty of both. Um, employees wow. have complained about racism in the workplace, they've complained about discrimination and unfair practices, and it's been swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. So they took this letter, it was 83 employees, not a huge amount when you think about how many employees work for Adidas, right. but they were enough of a group, a core group of employees that took this complaint, and within a week to two weeks, she resigned from her position. Wow. Um, so to me, that was significant, because it showed the power in particular of Gen Y and Gen Z, I'm yes. um, Gen X, I probably would have never have done that ever. Yeah, yeah. But this group of people, the ones that are out here protesting, and the mm-hmm. ones that are calling these companies out online yeah. and you know, mm-hmm. putting stuff out about how they've been treated inside yeah. these organizations, has been key for changing the way these organizations are going to have to operate as it relates to. Um, black and brown people in the workplace Absolutely. so that was one of the biggest ones to me when I saw that story I was like wow first I was like wow that was fast yes wow how powerful that letter must have been that they sent yes. that they got the attention mm-hmm. and ultimately she resigned now she we resigned. know in HR resign means she was made an offer they, yeah and they're like, We're gonna say you resign but here's your package you know yeah yes. <laughs> so you can <laughs> go go on and live your best life so right I think that was one of the biggest ones for me. Uh-huh. And then, um, let me think of another one. I think another one, actually one today to me mm-hmm. that, I, that was very striking to me was what the demographic is looking like in the U.S. as it relates to um, uh, the, the U.S. citizens in terms mm-hmm. of population. So mm-hmm. the census is something that's done every 10 years. So mm-hmm. here we are in the 10-year um, mark for the census to be done. And right. what they found is that they originally predicted within, I think by the year 2024, Mm -hmm. that um, the white population would be the minority. And what they're seeing is that that's going to happen a lot sooner. It's gonna happen sooner. Um, And that the largest group right now in terms of minorities are the Latinos and Hispanics, um, followed by Asian American, followed by blacks, followed by um, Native American, Native Indian. Mm -hmm. And then um, the white population is in the negative in terms of growth, they are not growing at oh. all um so uh, and it's for different reasons right yeah. Asian population um mm-hmm. fertility issues and mm-hmm. then um young white women not having kids right and then they also mentioned something about um uh the death rate based mm-hmm. on drugs drugs of disparity cause I don't yeah. know what drugs of despair is but whatever that mm-hmm. is um so it's not cracked okay that's what they're trying okay. to say okay <laughs> <laughs> it's prescription meds you know okay so yeah. So, yeah. So, to me, I think that story was significant because it really sheds light on why we even have a problem about diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. in, in the, the US first place. Based on the fact that this is just proof that mm-hmm. guess what? We're all in this together. Yeah. And yes. people. Who, with the minority for years, their population is starting to decrease, mm-hmm. not because of anything that any other race is doing. It's just right. happening naturally, organically. Mm-hmm. And so they need to just really wrap their arms around the fact that this is a diverse country, it's everyone's country. Right. And that's what's going to make the place a better place. And they talk about a melting pot, when they talk yeah. about, you know, um, seeing past people's color in order to build relationships, see them as humans first. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's going to go a long way. And that's why I'm really excited for Gen Y and Gen Z, because I think Mm -hmm. they're going to really be the ones that move the needle. It may take another generation or two, but I think we're going to see a big difference.
0: Well, you know, I have a 15-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old son. My oldest is 22 and he's already in the workforce. But I I know, like, um, when I think of, when I have conversations with my son, about what's happening at work and stuff like that. And he'll ask me from an HR perspective, what do I think about what management did here or there? And I know that he himself will not tolerate the things that I would have tolerated when I was at work. Now, when I think about my 15-year-old daughter and my 16-year-old son eventually entering the workforce, and I know they are going to be pushing the needle further than my 22-year-old right now. So, you know, it just really shows us how HR really needs to be, in a space where we can be ready for these generations as they come into the workforce and um, propel things forward in terms of putting people first and seeing to their needs and being able to help people to optimize their strengths within the organization to be the best that they can be in an equal way, in an equal way.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I work with companies now you know, to the help them design the diversity and inclusion strategy, especially in light of everything that's gone on over the last, you know, four or six weeks or so. But, um, you know, one of the things I tell them, I said, look, it's about at the end of the day hiring the best qualified person. That's right. I'm not going to come in and tell you, you have to hire 10% black, 15% Latina. I'm not going to tell you that. Like I'm not right. going to give you quota. What yeah. I'm going to tell you is that. Let's look at your job descriptions and find out where your bias is, because I'm sure there's bias in there that would make someone who looks like me think this is probably not the company for me. Mm -hmm. Then we need to look at where you're recruiting from. So let's look at how diverse is your recruiting um, uh, activities. And are you going to places where you can find people who look like me? Because if Mm -hmm. not, we're hiding in plain sight. But if you're not trying to reach out to me and making that proactive approach, then I probably wouldn't even know that your company would want to hire someone who looks like me. And then if you hire them, you get them in there, how are you treating them? Do they feel like they belong? Do they feel included? Are they the only one or the other? Because if so, that's very isolating and lonely. Um, Do they have mentors internally those sponsors Mm -hmm. that can kind of wrap their arms around them and help shepherd them through a system that wasn't built for them
0: to succeed?
1: So it's like, it's so many different pieces of it. and. I think the conversations that are happening now are much needed. I've been in diversity and inclusion since 2007. Mm -hmm. And um, now I feel like these are the real conversations that we were supposed to have back then, but companies weren't ready for it. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So what would you say now, how would you describe this time in history, 2020 for HR professionals? What kind of time do you think this is for us in the HR space?
1: I think it's about an awakening um i think even as hr we become comfortable in terms of you know figuring that we know what to expect day in day out we know how to do our jobs not a whole lot sometimes are asked of us so we can kind of you know be comfortable and and you know clock in clock out i think now we need to have our own awakening from an HR perspective to understand the impact that HR has, has always had, yes. um, but really does have now on on the um, front lines of mm-hmm. fair and equitable treatment of employees and hiring and recruiting of employees, all employees, and creating cultures where all employees feel they belong and can be successful and thrive and survive. Mm-hmm. So if HR is not the you know culture, uh, advocates or keepers, culture keepers, then there's a problem yes. um, because we're the ones that have to really look at being the conscience of a company.
0: Absolutely, I thank you so much for sharing that. So, my last question on on HR in the news: What is the future looking like for HR in the news? Where do you see do you see it becoming outside of what it is right now?
1: Uh, I see me uh, being on CNN or MSNBC. I'll even take Fox. Mm.
0: Yes.
1: You take Fox? I'll take Fox. They need my help. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know they what? They need me more than it's they true. know. It's true. That's true. That's true. Okay. They need me more than they know. So I yeah, I see it. me, you know, being able to take it to to something like that, you know, where I'm able to come in and kind of talk about you know, what's happening with all these different companies, right? And, yes. and through an HR lens, of course. Mm-hmm. And then also give, you know, my perspective on what they're doing right or what they should do differently. Um, and, you know, hopefully help some other companies that are watching and say, oh, we better get our stuff together because is going to be talking about us on the news one day. <laughs> 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 so that's the goal.
0: <laughs> awesome. I think that's a great goal. And I, I hope that the fact that you've spoken into being just now that's the right. God is here in the universe has heard you and it's right. going to come true. I am going to be looking forward to that. The next time you message me, I'll be like, turn
1: it here yeah. first.
0: Julie, <laughs> I'm on CNN at such and such. tune in. I'll That's be there. Right. I will be there supporting you all the way with that. I Yay. wish you all the best with that. Yes, absolutely. Thank it you. is normally at this point that I would ask my guests. What are you reading, listening to, watching right now as an HR professional that you think other HR professionals should be reading, watching, and listening to? But I'm not going to ask you that. Okay. Because because you wrote a book.
1: You wrote
0: a book, and I want to talk about this book that you wrote. Tell us what it's called, and then tell us why you were inspired to write this book.
1: Sure. Sure. Um, so the book is called working while black, a woman's guide to stop being the best kept secret. Mm-hmm. And it's, I wrote it for a couple of reasons. Um, I call it my love letter to black women in corporate America based on my own experience. Mm-hmm. I've been in corporate all my life up until six years ago when I left and started my own consulting company. Right. And, you know, you don't know trauma when you're in it. Um, But now that I've been out of it, I felt I was in a good space to talk about what my experience was. Because on the outside looking in, you know, everyone would say, "Tanya, you were so successful. You were head of HR for these big companies, you know, running teams, 14 people at a time, et cetera, et cetera. Everything looked good. Corner office, you know, corporate credit card traveling around the world. Mm -hmm. Yes. But oftentimes I was only one. Yeah. I didn't have friends. Yeah. I didn't have anyone really who supported me, although mm-hmm. they did when I first got the job, but right. eventually that fades away, right? right? Especially when people get intimidated yeah. or feel that, um, you know, you're moving a company in a way that they're not comfortable with. Yeah. So I wrote the story originally under the um, guidance or suggestion, rather, of Dr. Lois Frankel. Mm-hmm. She wrote a book called Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. Yeah, Similar concept, but she even said, Tana, I can't tell the black woman's story Um, I have black women all the time ask me for advice or how should they handle certain situations. And she said, I I can speak to it, but it's Mm -hmm. not from experience. Mm -hmm. I can tell them best case scenario. She said this, you need to write this book based on your experience. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. Right. But then I thought (laughs) about it It took a year, um, a little over a year. I tell everyone this is my biggest project today. I've written books before. This is my fourth one, Mm -hmm. um, but it's the biggest. And um, I was able to also interview other women, which Mm -hmm. was important to me because I didn't want to just share my journey and give this this tainted lens on my experience. So let me see if other women have had this experience too, or even what their experience was that they will share. And so many said, yes, phenomenal women at the top of their game, all black women. And at the end, I was also able to include um, Swati Mandela and she's the granddaughter of Nelson and Wendy Mandela. Wow. So I was able to interview her mm-hmm. and she shared, cause I wanted to kind of get like a global perspective to see yes. like, do black women experience these types of things in other countries? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and someone was able to make an introduction to me, uh, to her. And she right. willingly said yes. Right. And we had a great time during her interview and I, I can't wait for people to read it.
0: Oh, I can't wait. I honestly cannot wait to get my hands on this book. I'm feeling <laughs> like I need a photograph copy
1: though, <laughs> Okay. I've heard that from a few people. Julie, <laughs> I'm gonna have a stack of books over here, just signing and signing. I sold
0: 458 of them. And everybody wants a signature. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna happen all in good time. Just like that virtual yeah. book release is gonna happen yes. somewhere at some point. I'm gonna see you on YouTube talking about That's this right. book on the TV talking about this book. Yes, I am very excited for this book. And you know, initially when I heard the title and I looked at the um, forward of it. And it reminded me a little bit of um, the memo by Minda Hart. Yes, um,
1: mm-hmm. and I I'm thought we're both mm-hmm.
0: completely different
1: yeah.
0: level spectrum of, yeah. of information, but really helping Perfect. us. And I and I hope that over time you will change that to a love letter to all Black women in the corporate space, no matter where you are in the world. Um, because yeah. I think all no, it women definitely
1: is. Yeah,
0: it I think it we all is. really can benefit from, from the information that you're sharing in your book. And I will share the link to your book um, on Amazon so that um, the audience will be able to click on it and right. purchase it at the same time when we release um, this yes, episode I of the podcast. That. Not a problem at all, my friend. So, <laughs> here comes the, the, the dynamite question.
1: Uh-oh. Are you ready? All right, right. I'm ready. I'm sitting up straight.
0: yourself. (laughs) What is your biggest pet peeve about HR that you think other people in the corporate space need to know about? We have so many misconceptions about the HR function, but what is the biggest misconception that really grinds you about how people misunderstand our function that you want to set the record straight on right now?
1: Yeah, definitely thinking that HR is just responsible for hiring and firing people. And I tell everyone all the time, first of all, we don't hire and fire. We give advice. And at the end of the day, the hiring managers hire and fire Mm -hmm. the people. We put the people in front of them, right? That's right. And, you know, we kind of answer questions that they may have that will help them make the right decision. But at the end of the day, the decision is theirs. They own Mm -hmm. that employee once they're here. And if they decide to terminate, we have to help shepherd that, that process. Yeah. But yeah, we are not the decision makers there. We just guide. I tell people, look, I am in an advisory role. That's right. Um, so that to me is one of the, the biggest pet peeves that people had the misconception about HR.
0: Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. As a matter <laughs> of fact, I just did a post on that on Friday. As, oh, I, intru- as I introduced my, um, my, my six part series that started last Friday. On demystifying HR. Oh, that, I love that, that. Was the, that was the first one that I actually did. That HR is not mm. responsible for hiring, firing, or paying people. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's not our responsibility. You know, when, no. when people come to you and they go, My pay is not right. Something isn't right uh, here. You go, Could you go to finance, please? <laughs> <laughs> <That's
1: right. laughs> exactly. exactly. People get all in their
0: feelings about people being fired and, you're, and they go, It's HR. Yeah. And you go, Seriously, like, no. don't you think you should talk to the manager who actually managed the person, you know, and they,
1: no, such a, they get the hot behind the shield of HR. Yes. HR did this. We get all HR. the punches. Yes,
0: <laughs> Those people that HR hired, that's what we get. Yes. No, right. no. Thank you so much. wasn't that. us. Not, a, not us at all. Not us at all. We were just the advisor. Don't shoot the messenger. Right. We're just that's the people right. that put them there in front of you.
1: It, that's it we did our part
0: yeah mm-hmm. no matter what you do we always look like the bad guys but I thank you for setting the record straight on that account <laughs>
1: <laughs> some people still won't believe us
0: <laughs> no no they won't ever but the point is at least we set the record straight right here exactly and you that's know, right people, whatever people people can think whatever they want to think but the truth of the matter is when it comes to those things, we really, we know our role. We know our place. We just slay in our lane.
1: That's it. That's right. all we can do. That's all we can do. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: we Uh -uh. We can't do anything more. What is next for Dr. Tina M. Sessions? Please tell us what is next for you? Another book, another show. What's next?
1: No, no more books in me right now. Um, although I was playing around with this title and I, and I told my husband, I said, Ooh, that sounds like another book. And I was like, no, no, not yet, not yet, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. But I did write it down in my phone, so it's saved, so I can okay. come back to it later. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now is really about just partnering with, I've had so many new companies reach out to me over the last um, month and a half or so, following the George Floyd murder. Mm-hmm. um that are really really committed to either improving their diversity and inclusion or creating one that really works yeah. um, tearing down their systems that they have in place and starting completely over
0: mm-hmm. so that
1: to me is exciting especially from an od perspective to be able to get right. my hands inside of so many different organizations across different industries different mm-hmm. size employees um, so that's really going to be my focus i think um, in terms of where a lot of my business has come from over the last six weeks is that is really mm-hmm. where the universe has taken me. So yeah. it's something I'm passionate about. Like I said, I've been in that space since 2007. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like I'm doing the work that I originally wanted to do when I entered diversity and inclusion was to have those tough, courageous conversations, yeah. call CEOs out when what they're yeah. doing is not right. when They look around the table and everyone looks like them, letting them know that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then putting in infrastructure and systems and procedures in place to help move the needle of diversity and inclusion. So I have a few clients I'm working with long term, some Mm -hmm. up to a year, which is great just to be able to see them go through this journey. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's that's a big part of it. And then I still have my HR um, clients that I'm on retainer where I'm I'm their senior HR person. So when things come up, they need me, especially now still trying to figure out what to do with COVID-19. You know, do we bring employees back? Do we not? Do we open up the school? Do we not? Those Mm -hmm. types of things. Mm -hmm. So that's really what's next for me is really what I'm already doing. Okay. is just to continue to, you know, work in that space, right. make a difference. Yeah. yeah. Like the mission behind my business, Julie, I don't know if you noticed or not, but the mission behind my business is to change the lives of a million women and the men who love and support us wow. through the work I do that mm-hmm. impacts them at home and at work. I love um, that. So if everything I'm doing is right, then yeah. I'll be able to meet that goal. And my husband thinks that I should bump it up to a hundred million. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, I I agree with your husband but uh, <laughs> I think that that all comes with scaling your business, right? So right. That's right. As On time progresses. <laughs> as time progresses, you will definitely be able to do that. I yeah. have no doubt whatsoever. I can see great things happening right now, but I can see great things thank in the you. future as well. So thank you so much for for sharing that that. thank you for sharing that (laughs) with us absolutely and you know what I'm so grateful to you for actually um agreeing to record today because I know you just finished your show and then just came directly to do this podcast so I am truly appreciative of you taking the time to do that um and just being able to have this conversation with you I I wish we could go on for longer because there's so much (laughs) to talk about that's the truth but
1: I can I always like, come back.
0: I feel like <laughs> at some point in time, we're going to, well, you see that open invitation, open mm-hmm. invitation is here for you. Anytime you are welcome in the sound booth
1: for Thank us to you. have
0: dialogue again. I have to come
1: in person. I mean, it is Barbados. You can't go to a, a, a worse place. I mean, come on, it's Barbados. Come really? On, I can't find come. anything wrong with that place.
0: <laughs> and, and you know what? And especially since you mentioned us in the news today.
1: That's um, right. I why you better get <laughs> me a visa. <laughs> Come, Mia's ready for you. <laughs> That's right. Mia yeah, Come ready remotely from Barbados. That's
0: right. That's right. We are ready to open and receive nomads. So come on down. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm
1: about so, to look into it. I got to convince my husband.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you won't have to do much convincing. <laughs> That's right.
1: Right. He had a good time. We were there a few years ago. So yeah, probably not. He'll probably say, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, a year? I could do that. Mm-hmm. I can hang. hang." <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. I look forward whenever you get here, just let me know.
1: I will. Thank you.
0: So can you tell our beautiful audience where they can find you on social media?
1: Sure. I'm everywhere at Dr. Tana M. Session. That's no S at the end, so T-A-N-A-M for Marie, Session, S-E-S-S-I-O-N. So anywhere they Google me, find my website, TanaMSession.com, and yeah, all my social media, you can just look for doctors at Dr. Tana M. Session, and you'll find me. I'm there. Yes,
0: for sure, for sure. Once you spell it right, you will find her. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Thank you so much for having, having this time with us today, hanging with me in the sound booth. I really do appreciate it. And I look forward to having you again sometime in the future. But in the meantime, all the best to you, Dr. Tana M. Sessions. Thank you so much for being here with me. And I am so looking forward to reading your book, continuing to enjoy HR in the News, and developing our friendship over time.
1: Yes, thank you, Julia. I really appreciate you having me here. Really, really honored. Thank you so much. And best of luck with your podcast.
0: Thank you. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney, and you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms: Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you, and I will see you again. When we next sound off.